Welcome to True Independent Media, Real News Live. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be across this beautiful blue-green globe of ours. Welcome to Real News Live. This is a Saturday Night Live special with me, your host, Mike Barrett in Seattle, Washington. That handsome man to my stage right and physical left is the impeccable, the in, the indomitable, <laughs> Dr. Brooks Agnew somewhere in North Carolina. Brooks, how are you doing tonight? Outstanding. It's been a very productive day. We got the condor out of the body shop and it looks beautiful. Terrific. That's great news. That's absolutely great news. The lady immediately below me from nowhere fuckville, Montana, is the indescribable Candace Whitelight. Candace, how are things in Montana today? Hi, it's a beautiful day. We've had some really nice weather. It's springtime and uh, the birds are chirping and the uh, crickets are really nice and loud at night. And I really like that. Leave the window open. We got loud crickets going here. And the man to my stage, oh, well, kitty corner stage right. He's frozen. He's having internet in and out tonight. I don't know if he's with us. He's got one red bar. TV's Blake Wally. Let's wait and see how TV's Blake. Blake, can you hear us today? Are you there? Yes? No? Yeah? Maybe? No? No, I think we're going to we're gonna lose Blake, and we're probably going to have him back in a minute. At any rate, let's just kind of see how everybody's doing tonight. In the chat, uh, Deb from Sacramento. Okay. She's here. Jane Myers here. Deb Pollard is here. JDK is here. Deborah Thomas, nice to have you in the house. Um, <clears throat> John E., howdy to you guys. Um, Deb says, hey, Blake, Brooks, and the lovely Candace. Thank you. Okay, Mary Gould is here. Brooks, thanks to Brooks. She got her reports yesterday, Brooks. That is awesome. That is totally awesome. Uh, Kathleen Alba Perez is here. Hi, Kathleen. Uh, Johnny got his Ivy report, Ivan report two days ago. Thanks again to Brooks. Christine Packers here. Candace Whitelight sneaking into both places. She's in the chat and she's here. Uh, Ruben Darren is here. Good morning, Mike Brooks, Blake, and Candace. Well, good morning, Ruben Darren. It's good evening for us. So, no more thunder or more thunderstorms in Western North Carolina right now. Is that true, Brooks? You got some thunderstorms there? Oh, we had a little uh, cloud come through before we got out in the backyard, drank some beers and shot the 12 gauge around, but uh, yeah, it's it all right. <laughs> uh, Starlight 27. Hello from Los Angeles. I wouldn't mind being there right now. Time to break down the lies. Yep. Hey, from uh, Oklahoma. Hi, Gina. How are you? How's Oklahoma? Marbles here. Joanne Patton is here. Deborah Pollard says a storm is passing through Memphis right now. And Ron Davidoff says, uh, you guys are my faves. Well, we're kind of waiting for uh, Blake to get back in here. I got to do a show where I don't have two guys with the, you know, such similar names, Blake and Brooks. Uh, there's Blake. There's Blake. He's back. Blake, how are you this evening? We were just talking about you. Excellent. Uh-oh, what happened to my background? Um, I probably overloading my internet, apparently. <laughs> yeah, your background. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Great. Yep, it's, it's the whole, oh, there it is. It's Mercury Retrograde. We'll, we'll blame it on that. There, yeah, well, that explains everything. <laughs> it's like right? clockwork, every show. What's that? How are you doing? 
I am doing well. It's great to be here east of uh, California. Weather's great. Warming up. <laughs> you know, Crazy we've reached that cycle. You know, we've reached reached that phase in the in the year. See, Seattle is miserable for nine months out of the year. But between May fifteenth and September fifteenth, it's pretty much sunny and eighty degrees every day. And don't tell people that because they'll come up here for their summer times. We don't want them to know that. Uh, that's the way it is. However, tonight I am drinking. Another, my last uh, of my six pack of Red Hook ESB Extra Special Bitter, a British bitter style beer brewed right here in the Pacific Northwest at the Red Hook Microbrewery. Dr. Brooks Agnew, I'd like to ask you, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, Perrier. Switched over from the beer, huh? Yeah. That's it? All out. All right. Uh, And Candace Whitelight, what are we drinking tonight? Something healthy, I would imagine, right? Healthier than this beer. I like kombucha and I'm uh, working on the Synergy, and it's a tantric turmeric tonight. Tantric turmeric. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm going to get drunk on beer. Uh, And TV's Blake (laughs) Wally, what are you pleasuring yourself with tonight in terms of the adult beverage department? (laughs) Well, I, I bought a wine. I sprung a couple of dollars extra for the uh, Nighthawk Black uh, Pinot Noir. All right. I love Pinots. Pinot Noir. Okay. Great to have everybody <laughs> in here and uh, with us tonight. Okay. I guess what we'll do is uh, Blake and Brooks sounds like a sitcom. FBI, an FBI sitcom. Blake and Brooks. It all start each other's sitcoms. Okay, uh, a couple things that I kind of want to start with tonight, talk about just in terms of issues. Um, there was, let's start with the erection fraud, the election fraud. In Arizona, there are rumors, apparently it is true, that um, law enforcement has raided several of the nonprofits that I guess were given to them, information given to them in the uh, from the 2000 Mules ballot trafficking investigations. And the rumor is, is that the people that they uh, questioned sang like canaries. So <clears throat> I wanted to get everybody's take on this. Candace, I want to start with you. Um, what exactly do you think this means? And does it mean that Attorney General Mark Burdovich is looking at his polls, realizing he's going to lose if he doesn't do something about the election fraud? And is he going to finally start taking action? And will this lead to other other actions across the country? What do you think, Candace? I think that a cascade has already started. Um, we've got some reports that um, there's a lot working behind the scenes about uh, the primaries. <clears throat> and the primaries are where the rubber meets the road. And a lot of them are actually uh, being looked at by uh, the category that you would say the uh, rhinos versus the non-rhinos. And uh, as we see more and more of the hysteria build, uh, we're going to actually this dynamic of looking at um, not only the, you know, the voter um, roles that I think have been uh, put to rest uh, a long time ago, but uh, we've got a new um, group of people that are looking at the census. And they're evaluating the census in relationship to how many voted and how many people are actually in existence. And, uh, and then, of course, we have the 2,000 mules. And I think on top of that, we also have uh, the Internet that's getting um, looked at very, uh, very thoroughly by 
Elon Musk, who has uh, taken the lead in terms of uh, saying he's going to eliminate the AI bots from uh, Twitter. And that, of course, is going to also shine a light on all of those fake Dominion votes and that entire process. So Mm -hmm. we've got a real um, sort of uh, tidal wave that's starting to happen here. And I expect that there'll be several key states that will make an announcement fairly soon and throw the whole country into chaos. Well, that would be very welcome. Uh, TV's Blake Wally, what do you think this this signifies, if anything, tidal wave or kiddie pool? Um, What are we looking at here? I think I'm going to be optimistic. I think it's good. The, the tidal wave, the dam's about to break, the 2,000 mules, the uh, the investigation that Brnovich has been running. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. We, I, I got to keep that faith so we still got plenty of time. And as this administration is just uh, falling on its face, I think it's, you know, people are sick of it. And I think this could be a huge turning point, potentially, if Brnovich has the balls to go through with this stuff. So... We shall see, but there are some good people in Arizona. And again, I'll just be optimistic and uh, we'll see what happens. And the yeah. people that could be turning up the heat on them with, um, you know, making deals, as uh, Brooks was saying, you know, right. got to w- work your way up to the top. So um, I think it could be. If it's going to yeah. be any time, it's going to be now between now and uh, September. Well, I mean, it needs to, it should have happened a year and a half ago, two years ago. It should have happened in. November of 2020, um, but it's not you know it, there's just these right now these are just rumors. But apparently, Brooks, the rumor is fairly strong that nonprofits got raided in Yuma County, Arizona, by law enforcement. I think that came from Carrie Lake, this candidate for governor there, and and unless there's massive voter fraud again, is going to win. So I, I guess the question is, you know, is this real movement? Is this another false alarm? Are we just getting started? What do you, what do you, how do you see this all playing out? Well, we've been, we've been putting the pressure to them very, very hard. Last year, I met with Wendy Rogers and a couple yeah, of the great. other uh, uh, state senators from Arizona and Nevada, in Nevada, in Las Vegas. And I put the question to them. I, I said, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, uh, war is justice denied, and uh, we want to know who is going to administer the justice and win. And of course, the name Mark Bernovich came up, and you know we have all the faith in the world in him, and blah blah blah. Of course, we didn't see anything happen for about six months. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Now, uh, since the movie Two Thousand Jackasses came out, I say jackasses because mules are sterile; they don't breed. These yes, bastards correct. do breed. So they are 2,000 jackasses. And, of course, these are very low-hanging fruit. Okay, These are people that just need extra money. Uh, they're easily influenced with $100 a ballot. Here, go harvest these. Put them in the drop boxes after midnight. Everything will be cool, and you'll get your money if you take a picture, a selfie, blah, blah. They found out they got tracked. They found out that they were also activists at several Antifa riots where billions of dollars of property damage occurred. So now what they're doing is they have public pressure on them from all sides. Now, Dinesh D'Souza, say what you want about him. His documentaries are very well done, and they're very successful, and they get people very fired up, and they pick up the phone call and they call, or pick up the phone and they call. And that's the pressure that they're feeling. It's not legal pressure. It's pressure, damn it, do something. So they go read the nonprofits and get their basically their phone records, and they find out 
oh, let's go arrest, you know, 1,999 jackasses and they'll sing. And that's exactly what they're doing. The cheat by mail business plan was the best business plan the Democrats ever came up with. It's the only thing that's going to work for them in 2022. And it must be dismantled. But here's the kicker. It has to be totally dismantled with convictions before August, uh, I would say August 25th, because the election starts on August 26th. Once it starts, none of this is getting in the news. It all has to happen now. Yeah, I don't I don't see that happening. That's way too short a time frame uh, for convictions and uh, things like that. And so we're going to go through another election cycle in which the Democrats, in my opinion, are going to cheat massively again and get away with it again, just like they did. did you bring these people in and, and 16, 2018, 2020. Uh, that's what you I bring see. these people in and you threaten them with five years in prison and they're going to say, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm just just working part time, just trying to make some extra money. And they're going to squeeze them. And they're going to say, who paid you to do this? And the names are going to start coming out. Yeah, Deborah Thomas is pointing out 2,000 is a super low possible number. That was using the most stringent, high-level numbers of visits and amounts of ballots. Oh, they, yeah. they, it's 56,000 mules in the 2020 election. Right and, on. And uh, the, in all the different states. So it's way more than 2,000 mules. But 2,000 and, mules. And, and, and if I was a secretary of state, or I was a, an attorney general in that state and I wanted to get reelected, those are exactly the skulls that I would hang from my belt. Yeah, but let me tell you, this guy Bernovich is a piece of shit. If he, he is. was going to do anything without a gun to his head, he would have done it already. And he's only going to do what he has to do to get that gun taken away from his head. So we right. have to keep the gun to his head. We have to go after him uh, politically in Arizona. If you live in Arizona, I'm talking to you, Stephanie Lynn Jackson, who's not here yet. You better go back and watch the replay. Um, you have to keep writing him. I mean, I, I don't have him on my Twitter right now, my previous account. Every time he posted something, my response was, when are you going to when are you going to prosecute the 2020 voter fraud? You have all the information when you, that's, that just needs to be like constant online harassment. And also, let's find out who his opponents are and start building them up in front of his face. Um, but I don't think you're really going to be able to do that at this point. I think he's on the dark side. I think he's compromised. Um, and I don't think we're going to move forward. I think he's going to he's going to do, like you say, just enough to let this sort of filter out and disappear into the mirth before we get to the election. I wish I was as optimistic as Candace, but I'm not. Um, and I don't trust. Look, look what's happening in Pennsylvania. How long has it been? We still don't know the results of that election. Well, and again, that's where I was going to go next. That's a great segue. Uh, Dr. Brooks Agnew. So let's start with that. Let's go back around the cycle the other way. Let's start with you. How, how how much more obvious could it get that you're telling me they don't know who fucking won this the Republican senatorial primary from a week ago tonight? It was a week ago tonight, wasn't it? Saturday? It's been a yeah. week now. That's such yeah. utter bullshit. And Trump calls out the bullshit, but there's not enough people in the mainstream media calling it out. Dr. Oz, I think, obviously lost. The question is who did he lose to and how much of this is fraud? Um and, and I, I don't know. Do we have them between a rock and a hard place? Is it is it doc? You know they don't want Doctor Oz to win because he was Trump's candidate. On the other hand, he's the most uh, corrupted one of the bunch. So I don't know, Brooks. What's your thoughts about what's going on in Pennsylvania? Well, he has only really one good uh, opponent, uh, Mackin. What is it, Mackin? 
I don't know, Mac something. Macintosh, McIntyre, something. I can't remember his name now. But he's a businessman, and everywhere he goes face-to-face to talk to the people out, you know, without a mic, just a bullhorn or something, he's winning people over. They're putting the questions to him, and he's giving the answers. I think that's the guy. I, I don't think that the other two candidates, I think they're just show candidates compared to him. He is the one with the votes. He's the one the Democrats are most scared of. So you're saying, then are you implying that you think that um, they are trying to get Dr. Oz over the hump so he can yeah. move in the fall? Sure. Okay. Okay. Blake, your thoughts on the farcical situation in Pennsylvania? I mean, could it be more obvious that our election systems are rigged? I don't even, I don't know how it could be. Yeah, I completely agree after this, seeing this again. After all the problems we've already seen and they still can't get this one together. So yeah, there's it's problematic and there's a really serious uh, corruption problem and they're uh, struggling. I don't know what they're doing behind the scenes, but I don't know what kind of pressure it takes for the uh, for the public to, to get on these politicians for them to do something. It's it's really sad that it's been such a long wait. Not only you know Pennsylvania, all these other states as well, just trying to get something done in a reasonable time frame and they keep finding ways to mess up. But I mean, it gets, maybe they're just getting so overwhelmed with things uh, recently as kind of populism seems to be becoming you know, popular. It's rising up again. I've seen it just when 2012 getting on the Ron Paul thing and they, they, they cheated him on Iowa and it just, it just continues. It's just gotten worse and more blatant. And now with the mail-in ballots and the dominion stuff, it's just, you can't trust anything. So it, it's really sad situation and, um, and nobody's winning right now. Candace, you are on the inside. Uh, sorry, I left the Brooks Agnew thing up there too long. Let me hear it, Blake. Let me give you a little bit of your, let me give you a little bit of a pump up here. Where is it? Where is it? TV's Blake Wally. PayPal, I mean, dot Emmy slash Blake Wally. And the next level news.com. Candace Whitelight, uh, you're on the inside. What's your take? What's the inside take on what's happening in Pennsylvania? Well, I'm not really familiar with the Pennsylvania race, but uh, we did uh, discuss quite a bit about the Georgia race, which uh, really is um, much more kind of on the surface as far as who the players are. Um, I think that there's a a lot of movement in terms of the election of the attorney generals and the secretary of states. Um, those are the ones that are the, end up counting the votes that are the ones that are gone to as far as any uh, indiscretions as far as the way things are done. And all of the states that are involved have got a process that uh, they haven't followed and from the get-go. And I think that's what's taking so long is because all of a sudden, they're saying, okay, we have to follow the law, like, and we have to do a chain of custody. We have to make sure that all of them are, you know, the absentee ballots are matched up with their addresses and, you know, that we have to certify these people as being actually alive. And, you know, this is going to really be a process and I don't think it's going to really be very quick. I think that we're into this for the next, you know, election certainly in 2022 and then we have you know a period of calm um i would presume if the whole thing doesn't go on the toilet but um i'm really thinking there's something else that's going on out there that is really actually 
going to take a bigger picture look at, um, you know, the um, everything that is going on with the supply chains. I think we have a whole lot of stuff with the price of gasoline going down or going up. And that whole issue is, <laughs> yeah, well, all of us are impacted by that. You know? And then the, we're just coming out of this whole covid crap. And I think there's been a lack of oxygen in everybody's brain for a long time. And, you know, so we've got some health stuff that is coming forward. I don't know. It's it, no matter how you look at it, it's a mess. So yeah. it's just going to take a while. I'm, I'm not really keyed into this whole election thing because I, I do think that that it's not going to really work this this year. It's not about 22. It's about 20. And if we don't get that figured out and, you know, somebody doesn't come forward and, you know, Supreme Court or somebody and just say, look, fraud vitiates everything. I'm sorry. We're going to have to revote all these places, which is really um, my solution to it is to just uh, send everybody home and start over. Well, that would be great. You have to have some sort of legal basis to do that. Uh, yeah, you got to have authority. And personally, Candace, I disagree with you on that. I, I think the results of 2020 need to be revealed, ratified, certified, and reinstated with Trump's next term starting when he takes the oath of office, which he probably did back in March again. Um, you know, a, a new term. I, I, I really think that we have to say that this, you know, we have to we have to go back with 2020. I don't think, I don't think another election is what we need to do unless it's under Nacera law. Um, well, know. that's what I was going to point out. You know, we we understand that the really the first thing up here is going to be the resetting of the financial markets. And it's already underway. And I'll tell you, it's closer than everybody thinks yeah. right now. So once that happens and that event is really the event to end all other events, so because think- um, that will. Yeah, that's I mean, what that's- I've heard. That's what I keep hearing, too. I have a couple contacts in banking and, and, you know, everybody really thought yesterday and today were going to be huge days in that it may wait till Monday or it may wait till midweek of next week that there's where the financial reset starts. We, we have had like, you know, the stock market's been down eight consecutive weeks, that kind of thing. Things that we're looking for as markers that this collapse. And by the way, that hasn't happened since 1932. Gee, what happened in 1932? Does anybody 1933, remember? 1933, the bond market collapsed, which... And they took away the gold and silver, right? Bingo. But the point is, Candace, is I hear the same thing for my end of things. And, you know, I'm kind of in touch with this uh, with this financial reset because I'm hoping to be able to buy a Porsche soon. So, um, you know, I agree with you. And it's interesting because it's always been before, you know... Biden has to go first and then the financial thing will happen because they don't want Biden to get credit for the solution. But now what I'm hearing that's turned around in the last three months. Now what I'm hearing is no, the financial thing's going to come first, that they've changed their mind. They're going to go through with the financial thing as an excuse maybe to run him out of town. So, or, or the pretend Biden, Strew and Roger, whoever it is in town. So that's really interesting, Candace. And it's interesting that you're hearing the same thing at your end because you, you know, you and I are, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I was, you know, what I was going to say, getting it from two different ends, but it's true. You and I are getting two different streams of information, and uh, three, really, if you include Jen, uh, who's on my. So I, I, I'm really fascinated that you came up with that. I think that's probably the most important thing we're going to hear about tonight. All right, before we move on to the um, 
to the next thing. I wanted to say today that I forgot to do this at the top of the show. Uh, took Barkley, uh, Bar Dave's girlfriend, Rose, is in town. We took Barkley out for his uh, walk in the park today. And then we went to Petapalooza here in Auburn, Washington, where we met up with Old Dog Haven, one of my favorite charities of all time. They take care of old dogs. You two can sponsor a cute, adorable pup like Adie, who is an old dog who was abandoned by her owners. And this tells her whole story. She's looking for an adopter. She's 10 years old. And I got a t-shirt. I, I supported them with a t-shirt called, it says love is ageless and it shows a little dog on it. You can support old dog Haven. And I would encourage all of you guys to do that or find a local charity in your area to support the rehoming of these loving little animals who are just, you know, along with cats and every other animal on the planet, just the best things on the planet. Uh, that's wonderful. So, okay. So, um, by the way, yeah. old dogs, one of our listeners, and he says, taking care of old dogs is a nice thing. It is. It is a nice thing. And it's something that we need to do. So this brings me to something else, which is that all the political stuff, there's all these moving parts, Candace, and we're going to do this. The, we're going to do this the opposite way. Now, Candace, we're going to roll back around, going to go around the horn through you to Blake and then up to Brooks. Or actually, it's the other way around on the screen. Uh, anyway, so the rumor is now out, according to Gateway Pundit and other sources, that the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade decision is going to be released on Monday. Now, if it's going to be released on Monday, that means they haven't rethought the decision. If the if the leak is correct and the decision was minimum of five versus four to overturn Roe v. Wade, or Roe v. Wade, they haven't had time to change those minds and rewrite the opinions since that came out two weeks ago. <clears throat> we know that they have security in place around the SCOTUS. All of them, not just the conservatives, but all of them. I checked with the mechanic, my source. He confirms that the extra security is there. And the rumor remains that the real ruling, Roe versus Wade is a distraction. The real reason they have this extra security is that they're going to rule on election fraud at the end of the month. And I wanted to check with you, first of all, where are we on the Roe v. Wade thing from your perspective? And what kind of, <clears throat> what kind of chaos, excuse me, <clears throat> do you think that's going to create if it comes out on Monday? Well, they've put their best and finest out uh, to go to the Capitol, which nobody is at home at the Capitol. So what does that matter? Uh, they've been standing outside the Supreme Court. They've got new brand new fences and it's all uh, kind of been spruced up. So, uh, but the real facts are is that they've got security around all the Supreme Court justices now. Uh, Clarence Thomas came on last week and looked like he was a kid in a candy store. I, I really enjoy that guy now, and I think he is the, probably the best that there is in there. Um, he seemed to think there wasn't a problem. He understood the issues, and he said that basically it's just going to become a state issue and a story. Um, it, it really shouldn't matter to anybody because you live where you're going to have to live into the future if you ever need an abortion. So yeah. if you don't like not having an abortion and you live in a state that's very conservative, why don't you move to a conservative less state so that, yeah. you know, you can do what you want to do? I mean, people have been moving in mass all over the country for the last two years. Why? Because they were getting away from the coast where they were put into isolation tanks because of this entire covidacy crap. And basically, you know, what they're 
choices now is to pick up wherever they are and go back. Doesn't bother me much. Um, but, uh, you know, so we, we do have movement in this regard, but I, I still don't think that it really was much of a play as far as the media was concerned. In fact, it, it all changed last Monday, didn't it? Because they were talking about um, the war nonstop and all of a sudden it became, you know, the 2000 mules. And although they would not ever even say the word on any mainstream media I ever heard about. So, you know, you can't quite predict what the script is going to be tomorrow, but you can count on the fact that they're going to ignore it if it is not in their favor. So, well, you know, Candace, here's one thing I can see strategically why this is important to have. Now, first of all, my argument is that the reason this is coming out is because under a republic, this is the way it always should have been. Roe versus Wade should never have been ruled the way it was ruled because in a republic, on issues that are not specifically enumerated in the Constitution, which the word abortion does not appear anywhere in the Constitution, it's up to the states. And that's the way it always should have been. But they've tried to force it down our throats from the federal level. And now that's going to be overturned. And again, I think the timing of this is very strategic because I believe we are going to be moving back to a republic. You know, the old republic is being restored, just like in Star Wars. And you have to have it be this way. <laughs> And it will also be used then, the Roe v. Wade ruling will be used for a whole bunch of other cases that are going that are in front of the Supreme Court right now and are going to be brought in front of the Supreme Court. It's going to be, well, the states decide that. Well, the states decide that. Because we're moving, we're actually, this is a de facto move to return us to the state of a republic, which is where we should have been all along. The other thing I think politically that it does strategically, which is really, really interesting, is what I see happening then is that this forces them to spread their resources on the dark side, the dark nobility, the evil ones, the ones where the head of the snake got chopped off in Bosnia last week. They now cannot simply focus on Washington, D.C. and the Supreme Court. They have to get their activists out in every single state now. And that is going to spread them thin and make them easier to isolate put into a pocket and crush and destroy the way the Germans did to the Soviet Union, the Soviet forces at Kiev in 1941. So I think that that's the potential that we have here is that by doing this ruling, not only do we start acting like we live in a republic again, which will, which will, by the way, be very beneficial educationally to people about how this fucking republic is supposed to be working but it will spread them so thin and with their resources already strained because of the financial constraints, um, it's going to make it really, really difficult for the dark left to operate. And, and again, Candace, that's another reason why you bring in the new goldback system, because all their money is fiat currency. And, you know, you have to have permission to exchange your fiat currency for the new goldback currency. If you can't do that, you're out of fucking business. You're out of money. Your money becomes, you may as well burn it. You may as well burn it to cook some chili with, because the bottom line is, you know, you're screwed. And I think that that's what they're going to do to the dark side. They're going to tell them, you guys can't exchange your currency for the new goldback currency. You're fucked. That's that's what I see happening. So here's, <laughs> here's the best illustration of people, for, for the people out there that are passionate about abortion. And there may be some in the audience and we want to love you and respect you. I don't even know what Candace's personal position is on it. My position is that it's murder. And... It should not be okay. Um, there are some wonderful people on this planet who were the result of rape. There are some wonderful people on this planet that were not aborted, that 
um, deserve to be born, regardless of the circumstances of their conception. But this again, and I'm going to play that. I played this a couple of weeks ago. Blake, you're going to love this before I throw it to you. This is uh, this is my position, my current position on abortion. Uh, I'm about to reveal to you right now, and here we go. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to just do whatever I can for people. Like the world hunger thing, USA for Africa. That's isn't that great? You guys hear the song? Nice song, isn't it? Beautiful. I'm, uh, I'm like anybody else on the planet. I'm very moved by world hunger. I see the same commercials. Those little kids starving and very depressed. And uh, yeah, I watch these things on TV and I see those commercials and I look at it and I go, God, how cruel, you know? I see a little kid out there and I go, fuck, you know, I know the uh, the film crew could give this kid a sandwich. <laughs> on that you got you people need to move where the food is if you want an abortion move where the abortions are that's the way it's going to work in the future in this country and that's the way it should work and i think candace there will always be places in this country where people can get an abortion and for all these groups like planned parenthood that are so into abortion and the body parts and all that which they will not be allowed to, to do anymore um <clears throat> they should start getting ready to privately fund a woman who wants to have a legal abortion with whatever terms are decided in the various states that approve it um to where the where the abortions are am i wrong tv's blake wally no i mean you could call it like a, a medical vacation i guess that's awful but um yeah it's it's strange to see that all the big wild protests like in in california where nothing's gonna happen so they're gonna go and like attack police and you know vandalize burn stuff down and it doesn't affect them in that state so if somebody actually was affected by that it's not like you can't cross state lines or go somewhere so people have these medical vacations where you know procedures are so much cheaper going to a different country but in this case you'll just be going somewhere else if you really wanted if you need to do that uh, going to know, delaware going to california, 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 california. Yeah, I, 
I'm going to be taking a medical vacation here pretty soon to uh, Cancun and get a comeback uh, looking more like Bono in the 1980s, I think, with my hair. Uh, Dr. Brooks, <laughs> what's your position on well, this? And, and, you know, do you think people ought to move where the abortions are if they want to have an abortion? What's wrong with that? That's pretty American to me, right? It's, yeah, I think the your choice, get on a train, right? The position since 1973 has been has been more federalism, but it is designed for one reason, and that is money, because Planned Parenthood is a multi-billion-dollar butcher. Yeah. Yep. And what they do is they receive from Democrats 500 million dollars a year of taxpayer money. We give it to them. They then turn around and write a check to the DNC. For $50 million, about, it's about a 10% commission. So when you take out, we're, we're hurting the, 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 the demand side on the Democrats for sure by taking Roe v. Wade out. They can't just, you know, call up protests are us and get a bunch of people out in front of the Supreme Court. But you take away the supply side, you take away that $500 million a year that turns into $50 million a year back to the DNC. And now you've done something to really take apart the enemy of this country. Yeah, I uh, I have to con concur with that. I think that's a, that's a great observation, Brooks. Candace, I want to circle back to you to turn a phrase. Um, you're the only lady on this panel. And all of us men have kind of given, well, Blake hasn't really given his opinion. My opinion is, if, if the states decide abortion is legal in the, their state, it ought to be okay as long as they're not selling body parts and as long as it's not after the first trimester. And as you know, the, the, people always bring up the life of the mother. Well, that's that's already that's codified in law. Um, you know, if you have to choose between the mother and the baby, you, you choose the mother. But you're a mom and you're a woman. You have ovaries, last time I checked. Um, so what's your position? on this if you'd care to share it with us if you don't want to share it you don't have to share it either but i thought, thought i'd check out with you would you be okay living in a country where a woman maybe had to get on a train to delaware to have an abortion if she really really wanted one within the first three months or whatever your standards are what do you think well i you know there's one thing that i just could never understand is that women would actually put up with this um because you know, it became a situation in my day, um, you know, when I was working and um, I had kids and I had to do both, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a matter of really saying I have to have one or the other or whatever. Having children is a sacred act. And I, I just don't get that women uh, will actually, you know, perform uh, the act that has to be done in order to have a child and yet not have any responsibility towards the outcome. And yeah. that has to do with morals and it has to do with Christian principle. And it also has a, a lot of things to do with uh, reverence for life. And I, I don't right. think that anybody could, you know, argue that point is that we should always be looking at life as being the, you know, the sacred thing that all of us are dang important to us when we're sitting on that gurney. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to have that feeling for all of man and womankind, or you're just not living a right life. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, um, 
And gosh, that's the first relatively short answer I've ever gotten out of you, Candace. It was clearly very heartfelt, and I agree with you. And I, I think what Roe versus Wade has done is it's created a situation where um, women are allowed to behave very irresponsibly. I mean, if you're going to raw dog some guy, you got to be ready to get pregnant. And it's also created a, a sub-industry of seven-pound annuities, you know, where a woman, a girl gets pregnant and picks the guy that she's dating among multiple guys who has the most resources and says, it's your baby. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole kinds of crazy stuff that's gone on in court around that <laughs> stuff where even, even men who were proven not to be the father of the baby were forced by judges to pay child support. So from a man's perspective, I, I don't like that. But again, there's many things you can do with your partner uh, to make them happy that do not involve the risk of pregnancy. So, I just really think that it's time to flip this whole thing on its ear and start forcing people to, to you know, kind of do the thing with the puppy. Don't poop here. Look and behave responsibly. Behave responsibly because what you're doing and could create life. And once that happens, you know, I think you have a responsibility to take I think you need to take responsibility for what you, nobody's trying to tell you what to do with your body, ladies. Just take responsibility for what you already did with it when you get pregnant. That's, that's my position. People are going to hate on me for that. Anybody wants to add anything else to this particular moral debate? Brooks, Blake, take your, take a shot. Well, we got such a, a sloppy culture, you know, people that's this, this hookup thing and people going out to clubs and getting drunk and doing stuff. Um, you know, these accidents, they, they, they happen. The people don't tend to make good decisions. But um, that's just kind of the lifestyle that we've kind of normalized. So I'd like to see that uh, that change, hopefully going forward, maybe more wholesome stuff because uh, we've gotten pretty twisted and off the rails. And uh, that, that's got to stop, too. So it's a very complicated issue. Yeah, it's it's complicated, but it's really not that complicated to behave responsibly, ladies. If you don't want to get pregnant, don't raw dog a guy. It's that simple. It's not very complicated, right? Condoms work 100% of the time when they are used properly or just don't have intercourse. They're, I mean, again, it's not that complicated. So I don't I don't buy this whole unwanted pregnancy thing. I think it's I think it's people want to behave irresponsibly and not have to take responsibility for their behavior. That's that's the situation we're in, and that's again something needs to flip in a republic. Uh, Brooks. Well, I think we overlook the the industry itself because the mills are set up in yeah. black neighborhoods and Hispanic neighborhoods. These aren't people that are clubbing. These are people that uh, the yeah. industry is targeting for genocide of the 40 million babies that have been killed disproportionately most of them are black and hispanic now right. traditionally hispanics don't have many abortions they the family well, just of, in another kid they're catholic yeah because they have yeah. the, the religious moral background right 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 but and and but when you abort more black babies than are born alive there is something systemically wrong with the system and black people need to wake up and realize that they are being consumed by Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And and Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, overtly said the purpose of this is to kill off the black race. That's basically That's right. what she said. And, you know, that was her plan was to get rid of the get rid of the black race in America. It ain't working, Margaret. But but think of how many think of how many aborted I mean, how many Michael Jordans have we aborted? 
how many Ronald Reagans? How many, how many Einsteins? How many Donald Trumps? How many Einsteins have been aborted in the last 30, 40 years? What is it? 73, 83, 93? Well, it's also an issue, I think, that uh, needs to be looked at. One of the people that were was good friends with Margaret Sanger was uh, Bill Gates Sr. And uh, Bill Gates Jr. is going to be a, um, a real target in terms of, I think, in the future for eugenics. And uh, when you get around to it, that's what we're talking about. And it's coming from every side of our lives. Uh, it's, you know targeting our food stream, it's targeting our water, it's targeting uh, everything that exists in your life is that they are trying to eliminate your life. And, you know, we've talked about it for a long time with the Georgia Guidestones, but they're dead serious about that. And, um, you know, I I do believe we're going to go through a winnowing. Um, A lot of folks that have been vaxxed are going to be dealing with some problems. And, you know, there's a lot of health issues out there that, you know, our personal choice issues. And, you know, we can stand back and say, hey, yeah, you know, you guys are all good. But look at the way that they spread the COVID in the beginning. They started killing off the um, rest homes. The rest homes. Yeah. um, Yeah. Actually, Cuomo side, uh, Cuomo, you know, and the Michigan governor, uh, Whitmer, Whitmer, she went out of her way to, they went out of their way to murder old people with COVID. Well, that's a windfall for the insurance companies right there. Yeah. I mean, the insurance companies made out like bandits with, what, 70, 80,000 elderly people died in nursing homes? That's untold amounts of money on the insurance companies. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, my girlfriend, uh, AOC, who supposedly got engaged to some flabby, bad, nasty-footed boyfriend that she's had for a while this week, came in and said other religions don't treat it that way that they don't view let i let me just play it because we well maybe let's not play it maybe let's not play aoc um you know she's just so mentally defective i well let's play it let's let's really expose how dumb she is because she's so dumb uh aoc mocks christians for opposing abortion rants about how babies in the womb are not a life. So let's just listen. Okay. Wow. Oh, but you're, you know, you're, you're harming a life. I believe this is life. Well, some religions don't. So how about that? Which ones? Our Jewish brothers and, and sisters, they are able to have an abortion according to their faith. No, they're not. You know, there are so many faiths. That what is she talking do about? not have the same definition of life as fundamentalist Christians. And so we how what about their rights? What about their right to exercise their faith? It's ridiculous. And it is it's it is theocratic. It's authoritarian. Yeah. It is wrong. <clears throat> okay. Uh I do you anybody on this panel Jewish, by the way? I'm a little bit, but I'm not aware of anything that overrides thou shalt not kill in the Old Testament. So what the fuck are you even talking about? And more to the more to the point, Blake, how are we going to get through to people like this? I mean, I'm going to take her to Vegas. I'm going to fuck all the stupid out of her and whisper sweet capitalism into her ears at night until she gets it. But that's only one October 10th Libra that I can save. I can't save the whole world. How are we going to get through to these people? How are we going to get through to these people? Right? 
I, I don't think you will. Um, it'll come later, I suppose, when it's kind of overwhelming and that just becomes the normal train of thought as we change. Uh, yeah, someone needs to take the microphone away from her. Uh, she's really not qualified. She's been there long enough as it is. Um, and, you know, I feel bad for her, but she's so like, you know, innocent and cutesy about it. It's I can't take it that seriously, but it is serious that she's, they look up to her. Yeah, she's influential in that left wing, you know, that radical left wing. So it is uh, unusual that she's, you know, putting that stuff out there. But I mean, you know, it gives us, you know, ammunition to play with and and to laugh at. So it's um, it, she's a great character for that reason, I guess. So it, it's but she's, she does uh, represent a oh, bringing the... <clears throat> Yeah, and right. again, uh, yeah, that you're probably never going to read. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not aware of anything in Jewish law that allows the murdering of the unborn. I just am not, which is what abortion is. Let's just no. cut the chase. You know, okay, James Bond maybe is she's, Yeah, maybe abortion she's talking about the U Ukrainian Jews, you know, the Khazarians. Because <laughs> they're, they, they're killing kids all over the place, but they're basically Nazis. So I'm, I'm not sure. I think she's mixing metaphors here. Yeah, badly. I, I just don't see how someone... Yeah. How somebody can string so many words together and not make a sentence. I just don't get it. No, I I can't really disagree with you. But again, October 10th, Libra future wife, AOC. I'm gonna straighten her out. I'm gonna bring her over to the light side. We're gonna convert her. We're gonna, we're gonna do the Vulcan. Yes, yes. Feel the force. Feel mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't even know what she's talking about. And that's that's just bizarre. So, um, Can we talk about something else here? I got something that I think is pretty interesting. I, on uh, you know, last uh, Tuesday we had a con constitutional convention of the states. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do, I do want to talk. So about let's that. let's talk about some yeah going forward here. I do want to talk about that, but I do. Um, I am concerned overall in the culture that there are so many people that are just not going to be reachable and we heard this last week candace i was going to throw it to you and we can talk about the constitutional convention in a second but i'm concerned that the word out of the white hat camp of which you know your our mutual acquaintance uh would appear to be part are are, are saying oh well we don't have enough of the population awake yet and i look at at her stone face there and, and, you know, just nothing penetrating. And I'm thinking to myself, we're, we've converted everybody. We're going to convert. Why is it not just time for action? And I think it's way higher than 50%, by the way, which is some, you know, Simon Parks and some others said he was the one who really led on this and said, Oh, you know, they're saying it's 51%. I'm like, it's like 75%. We're not, I don't think we're going to reach anybody else. So, What's the word on why we're waiting and why don't we just move into action? Oops, we lost Candace. Where did she go? I was going to ask her. Well, let's talk to you, okay. Brooks. What do you think? There she is. She's back. Okay. Hi, Candace. We lost. Hi. Today. I just. Well, my phone is overheating. It's too warm for uh -huh. it in here. Okay. Well, turn on the All air right. Put it up to the fan. Uh, so I was going to ask you, you know, why are we waiting and are, haven't we reached everybody we're going to be able to reach until we have control over the mainstream media? Well, that see, there's a point that I like to be able to clarify, because I think what you're talking about is that Juan stated that we needed 80 percent plus to be able to 
come into some agreement as far as when this is all going to flip. Okay, that's the point where all of us are counting on everything is going to happen all at once and that we're going to suddenly be in a new world and suddenly everything is going to get better. And um, he really amended that the last uh, three uh, programs that he did. He said that, you know, what really is happening here is something that is going to take a long time to actually work out the details. And um, what we have at this point in time is we have a majority of what I would consider the lucid individuals out there that have actually thought this through and are able to then say, what is it going to be like in the future? Who are we going to be? Where are we going to be living? And really, it's like a near-death experience. And the way it was framed, I thought, was really brilliant, is that um, when you have a situation where you've been in a car wreck, and you are pretty banged up, and you unfortunately are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. They come and get you out. They put you into the emergency vehicle. You go to the hospital, and you're pronounced dead. Well, then, you know, 20 minutes later or whatever, your heart starts beating again. They haven't quite taken you all the way down the hall. And uh, you start to come tr through, you know, into your conscious mind again. And you've seen the other side. You've seen hell. You've seen heaven, whatever. And, you know, God says to you, it's not your time yet. Get back and, you know, work it out. So, but you don't come back fully healed. You come back with the same injuries. You, can't, you come back to pain. And, uh, you know, so we have to think of that as what's going on with every person out there. You're going to have your own experience, your own particular you know, moment where, where your life is really going to pass in front of you. <clears throat> and you'll make those choices at that point in time in terms of <clears throat> how you're going to deal with things in the future. But it's not going to get better instantly. Well, so, I, I mean, Daniel Brinkley would maybe disagree with you on that with his near-death experiences because <clears throat> it did change him fundamentally in from an asshole into a good guy um, the first time. And it just kept happening uh, six times. I think he's been dead six times now. So... Um, well, and that's, you know, okay, so for Dave's experience, he came back and he went, thank God I'm alive, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that didn't make the strokes go away instantly. You right. know, he still is going to have to deal with the damage that was done. His life is going to be different. And he yeah. is on a road where he, you know, probably can make a full recovery. And that's good. But it may be two years from now. You know, it's the same sort of timeline, again, that we're each of us will have a chance to determine and a lot of people are going to choose just i don't want to deal with it anymore yeah and I mean, that's you know yeah. Candace, the thing is is uh, i i mean uh, the way i see things is i think it's 70 percent patriots 20 percent progressive nutbags like aoc that are never going to break out of this and, and you know maybe a f you might get a few of them if you if you just bombard them with the real information and then 10 percent of the you know uh, uh, of the rhino uniparty types, the, the rhino dem uniparty types that, that just, you know, want to believe that all this fake stuff is actually real. And that's where we're at. And I don't think, we're, I don't see us budging from that. Um, Brooks, you must have some thoughts on this. Do you think it's time to move forward with the, the, the flip or? Yeah, it is. Because if you looked at what happened last week, um, the most amazing thing, we're, we're broke. And yet, Congress passes this 
ludicrous $40 billion plus aid package for military aid to Ukraine. And we thought, oh, it'll never pass the Senate. But it did. And then all the movie stars and rock bands and politicians went over to Ukraine, made sure that their plane was stuffed with cash as they were flying back. It's you've got to follow the money. It's the money. It has nothing to do with ideology. They could give two shits about controlling America. They want the money. And that's all they're doing is trying to make themselves rich and their their gangs rich. And really, you got five gangs here. You got the Biden gang, you got the Clinton gang, you got maybe the Obama gang, but so far unscathed for a while. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Bernie Sanders AOC gang, right? And then you have the Hollywood gang, the, the global media gang. These are the five gangs. And I think what we're seeing with D-Day, and I mean by that Durham Day, that we're seeing the crack begin. These five gangs don't trust each other, and they're starting to turn on the Clinton gang. And that's going to cause the flip. And you would be an expert on that. Uh, Charm of Favor, the book, the book from Dr. Brooks Agnew, talking about the Clinton gang. And I know, I know Juan has dealt with the, I've list, sat and listened to him tell some stories about the Clinton people you know, geez, 15 years ago, Candace. So I know he knows all about those people. And it brings us to an interesting transition. Uh, unless, Blake, you have something you want to add to this uh, discussion right now. No, I, I think, yeah, Clinton's obviously in trouble. I, I think that's a great point. Uh, and now she's going to become a liability, as we've seen kind of develop really uh, Friday, that uh, it looks like she you know, orchestrated this whole thing. And once that comes out, Nobody want to associate with her anymore, and so yeah, that uh, will create a little power vacuum amongst the uh, the five the gangs, as uh, Brooke says. So I, I do think he's uh, got a great point there. Good call. Yeah, well, think, um, of, think of it like you know mafia dons, and they've right. all kind of cooperated with yeah. one another, staying in each other's turf for a while. Uh, Hillary Clinton worked Russia, believe it or not, got one hundred forty-five million dollars through the. Rose Adam deal and the sale of 15% of Westinghouse's processing of uh, enriched uranium. uranium. She made a bundle of money off that, plus the, the Clinton initiative. I don't know how much money they made off of that. Well, and according to Putin at Helsinki, $400 million into her, uh, into her campaign in 2016 yeah. through Bill Browder, who I can't wait for that fuck face to swing from a noose. But uh, yeah, big, big money. And and again, sorry, Brooks, I cut you off there. I didn't mean to. But well, she yeah. spread it around for a while yeah, because she was unpopular and needed the votes and money buys votes, especially superdelegates. But now she's kind of out of the power picture. So they're going to be happy to let her take the fall. But remember what she said during the campaign, what she said when this Russia thing started to point her way. She said, if I go down, I'm taking everybody with me. Yeah, half of Washington is going to be more like 95% of Washington because 95% yeah. of Washington, we found out, is the real corruption. Uh, I think we thought it was half of Washington was corrupt before all this started. Now I think it's not. It's clear it's 95%. The other thing well, I don't she get found about out where the power was. She's been collecting dirt on people, you know, since before Vince Foster, you know, showed up dead in the in the park. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's been collecting dirt on people a long, long time. She's got yeah, was- piles. And if you look at the, the Obama library, 
uh, Susan Rice was very careful on moving all the files that they had accumulated into the Obama library where they could be sealed for 25 years. Yeah. I yeah. think what they should do is they should raid the Obama library. That That's would be a great all the stuff is. is. Yeah, that would be a great idea. That would be a great thing to do. Um, okay, here's the thing. I don't get Candace. Maybe you can you know, illuminate me. Do these clowns really think they're going to be able to keep all this money that they just took out of Ukraine with them? I mean, do they re- does Bono and the Edge, who went there to obviously stuff their suitcases full of Ukrainian cash, do they really think they're going to be able to keep this? Do they not see the four horsemen of the apocalypse on the top of the hill coming? To- I mean, do they not get that they are about to be put down, or are they just... Well, I can't worry about that. I have to continue to operate in in this world because, you know, it's it's served me so far. I, I mean, what are they thinking? Well, what? you know, money is. Uh, I think uh, Putin did the right thing. Uh, he. Oh. I just Brooks, you had something you really wanted to hit with. Hit us. Well, I was going to say, just oh. look at the song and dance, man. Look at Zelensky. He's got a billion and a half dollars stuffed in Costa Rica and Miami, and he can't escape. He can't get out to oh, enjoy the Cuban girls in Southern Miami. He can't do it. Yeah. These guys are trapped by their oath and covenant. Okay, Candace, your thoughts. Well, uh, Putin just made the, um, you know, his currency the only one that he'll take for any um, energy process, any of the oil or anything. And, you know, that was kind of a stroke of brilliance because he can now control the uh, amount of dollars and where they go. So, you know, it's, it is actually, um, I, I think, well of Putin. I hope he is, uh, he survives this, you know, that uh, we can get to a point where there is uh, regional control. I still, from the get-go on this whole thing, said, what the heck are we doing over there, you know, um, well, because they're using see- all of our equipment. They're, you know, yeah. You see where Biden got, is getting together with other heads, and they're going to set a cap on the price of Russian oil. Yeah. Well, like they're going to say, oh, you can't sell your oil for any more than this. And Putin's going to say, well, that may be what you want to pay, but that's not yeah. going to buy a barrel of oil for me. Right, right. Got it. Right. Yeah. And that, that of course, uh, speaks to the uh, WHO that's meeting this week. And uh, there's another issue that they're going to try to cram down our throats. And we're, we're talking, uh, you know, something that's worldwide. But, um, you know, we don't have to we don't have to fall and, and into WHO, this. This is ridiculous. And WHO is just a code word for U.N. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're all tall traffickers. You know, I put up there's pictures of Tedros, this guy who's the head of the WHO, dressed up in little baby doll shorts and with a little tank top on like he's a woman. And I'm 99 percent. It's fucking him. You know, so again, he's another queer bait. He's another. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. He's another (laughs) trans homo something. Right. And I put it on true social and true social put a warning over my picture it's like first of all he's not naked in the picture so what's the problem and i i don't know candace on the whole social media side of things i still feel like there's a lot of uh censorship going on can you give us an update i want to get two things before we move off the news subject <laughs> an update on social media and twitter and what's happening with elon and an update from brooks on ukraine and we'll go from there 
Well, this this is really my favorite topic because, of course, social media is where I live. So it's uh, it, it really is an amazing process that we went through just this last week, seeing Truth Social actually come online and seeing the um, large amount of people that are there. Uh, last night, I was a part of the night shift, had a great time, went from having 30 followers to 90. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just like small time. I'm, I'm not I don't have a lot of hope for the for the, uh, you know, slaying the the stats or anything. But um, I think it's a good format. Uh, yeah, they're going to be, you know, rough around the edges for a while, but they made it work and ahead of schedule. And you know, it's uh, decent. I, I could, you know, say that there's a lot of stuff it lacks. It's not quite as good as Twitter was, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to make do for a while because um, everything is going to change. And, you know, where I get my warm and fuzzies right now is uh, from Facebook. And I, you know, it's constantly being slammed in terms of who has owned it and, and how it's functioning. But I think we've got the codes and I think it's functioning quite well. Um, so, you know, make sure that you, uh, put it in perspective. And I got one thing to say to everybody about the internet is that what we're dealing with right now is a lot of recoding that's going on. I think everybody has to know that, uh, you know, we are going to have to endure this period of time because we are getting rid of all of the excess switches and everything. Um, we're also cleaning up a lot of this network garbage that's been going on. And we are moving over to a light process that it's going to take a while to really get to all of those places that you like to go to. And, uh, you know, this will will be a process that, that you'll get jiggy with after a while. But go in and uh, uh, erase your history, write down all your passwords and update your systems. And basically the only, um, you know, caveat I have for that is to, when you're working with your phones and your iPads, uh, make sure that you are hooked up to a Wi-Fi and not getting a signal off of a cell tower. And there's good reason for that. And it's, uh, it's because, number one, you need to find out who it is that's providing your service. And number two is the cell towers have been doing some really strange stuff lately. And uh, they're trying to sell phones again, and they're making, like, my phone is overheating now. It didn't used to be, but it's because I have a cell tower that I can see uh, from here. Uh, it's about probably two miles away, but it is a, um, it's constantly pinging everything. And so I have to make sure everything is off, you know, go through that process, go into your, you know, applications and also take off all the apps you're not using. Do a, do a thorough clean and do it regularly because this is going to be a process that you will, you know, understand is very important right now. So um, Elon, as far as what's going on with Twitter, I really get a big jolt out of this one because he has now gone full frontal on the uh, whole AI thing. And, um, you know, he's willing to basically take it to the bank. He withheld his, uh, his uh, financing scheme because Twitter claimed they had less than 5% of the accounts were bots. And they've come up with upwards of 25% now. And, and Biden, there, there's a story going around that they audited Biden's account and half of his meager followers, 33 million or 11 million or whatever it was, are bots. 
So yeah. he, he doesn't have any support. So um, I don't know if that's true. I assume it is. But what do you think's the angle there? I, I, I think, is he trying to bring Twitter down? Well, the the thing that he's really kind of in the again, I sort of use this phrase often, and I I apologize, but um, there's one thing that we'll see out on social media, and that's his posts. So you can go directly to the guy because he's actually posting out there, and and he did a post uh, a while ago that I I just was uh, kind of you know got a big kick out of, but you know he he stated that he was actually a hybrid and so was his wife Uh and um now you know i'm not gonna say that that's particularly true but if it is true it would explain sort of why he's going after that because those are the people that are most affected by this bad internet stuff that's going on all of these you know signals that they're sending out all of the disguised um you know uh, artificial intelligence and and everything else they want to encode your computers with now they've been really successful so it's it's like taking for example that Biden account well it's pretty easy to fabricate subs I mean I've known that for a long time you can go out there and look at some accounts and they've got five million subs and you go like wait a second you know PewDiePie really you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm just really kind of uh, I'm very suspicious of the background of the terms of service, of the way that they log stuff, the algorithms. I mean, it's all screwed up. It's really interesting because I, I tried this about 10 years ago. I said, I'm going to buy a bunch of followers and see what happens. So I bought like 25,000 followers. And as soon as I started posting pro-Trump stuff in 2015, they came in and they got rid of all of them. And they were, they were bots. They were, they were fake accounts or unused accounts. They got rid of all of them. That knocked me down to like, I don't know, 5,000 or whatever my real number was. But then I see other people who are politically neutral or whatever on Instagram. I, I'm not going to mention her name, but I have, I have a friend, somebody I, I used to hang around with in my L.A. days and who I've, I've known since then. And she's had a couple of bit topless parts and Californication and stuff. And she's on Instagram and she's got 50,000 followers. And I'm like, nobody knows who you are. I mean, literally, I was on TV seven times today and you have more followers than me. And I don't believe that on any of these platforms. So what's going to happen with that? And I mean, what's what's the implication, really? I, I mean, to me, it's like it's like so much of it is fake. Right. Well, yeah, it is fake because, you know, for as long as I've known about social media, which goes back to 2009, I've had suspicions that it was being controlled by who else? DARPA. And when they set it up and and did all the uh, what you would call the baseline programming, you know, setting up the code and everything, they basically made it like and I call it Swiss cheese because there's so many holes in the back, you know, room that. You know, anybody can sneak in and and dink with the switches, right? I mean, that's the concept. So, you know, you look at some of these other platforms that are, you know, they've been around for almost as many years. But, you know, most of them are new, like TikTok and Instagram has been around for a while, but it, you know, has gotten really popular lately. But, you know, all of them are based on a algorithm that basically logs on how many 
you know, clicks they get. And if you're logging on clicks without a real person behind it, it's a click. It's still a click. So, right. you know, all of this is controlled overseas. And this is the work that I've done for the last year where um, all the, the DOD released 80,000 IP addresses that had been uh, abandoned and uh, people came in and took them over that had access and they were able to set up entire accounts and generate money. And, you know, it was always amazing to me that Juan got taken down off of every channel, you know, content yeah. creator he was ever with. And yet his the same show would show up on, you know, some Taiwanese, uh, you know, thing that was had nails, you know, uh, adornment or a gamer site or something and they'd put it up and it it was uh, always a little faster and the voice sounded weird you know this is, has been common cause so you know we're starting to defeat that and that's what the new social media people have been going after which is all the uh, denial of service attacks which primarily come into this country by the way um, they're not going out of this country to anywhere else, um, you know, so and why it's because they're going to lose their money stream because we're we're the major player. We're the ones that got our fingers on the switches. We're the ones that have created uh, Starlink and fiber optics. And we're a leader in the field in terms of technology, even though we get most of our technical equipment from where from China right. they are still in play as far as that aspect which is where we get our phones and our iPads and everything else and that's why they have been corrupted and that is the new technology that's coming forward is going to be Starlink enabled it's going to be a Linux platform and it's going to be available within the next three to six months so that we don't have to go through Microsoft in order to get to things. And that's a story that I could tell you that just happened to me about even just getting onto StreamYard the other day is that my phone was saying, I don't like Brave tonight, sorry. And that I had to download Chrome in order to get on and it was a nightmare and I at least know how to navigate this, but that is one of the foibles of the entire system is that we have set up this um, megalithic provider called Google. And if you don't know it, I, all I can say is that you should understand that, that Google runs the world. And, uh, you know, we have issues with that. We have had for a long time. They're the ones that corrupted the, um, the you know, basic 2020 fraudulated uh, sure. thing. All of those people were working on Google. Um, well, and you know, basically, it, it applies. Not to cut you off here, but I, I, got That's okay. I got a better solution than Linux and all that stuff. Let's just go into the boardrooms at the next board meeting and arrest all these people at YouTube and Facebook and take them out and lop their heads off in the square, public square, put them in the stockade, let people throw dog shit at them and uh, do that. And then that we do that two or three times and all of a sudden these companies will start coming in the line and stopping all these practices and monitor what they do. I got to move on line, to uh, I got to move on. Candace Brooks, uh, unless TV's Blake Wall, you have anything to throw in here or no? Yes. No. You don't have to. 
I, I guess I'm just I'm loving this whole Elon versus Twitter and all of these yeah. things getting exposed and all it's the back twisty. and forth. And all Very the twisty. Their minds. Yeah. And all right, bro. Yeah. Let's have a quick Ukraine yeah. update. A lot of people tune in for that. What's going on over there? Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, this, Putin declaring okay. victory. What's this happened is- in the last, uh, you know, uh, ten days is the Azovs have surrendered. So the news media, the fake stream news wants to tell you that hundreds of Azovs uh, were rescued out of the uh, Azov stall uh, steel factory. No, it's close to 3,000, by the way. And the Americans captured an American general, and they are currently negotiating. This is, by the way, Lieutenant General, and they're negotiating various release right now. But these prisoners of war were put on buses. They were taken to a location close to Moscow, and they are being examined. They're being interviewed. The ones that are innocent are being mm-hmm. released, and they can go home to their families. Uh, the ones with tattoos all over their body, they're being photographed. They're being cataloged, and they're being sent to a prisoner of war camp. Now, also what happened this week is the Russians proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that they can hit anywhere they want, any time they want, in any part of Ukraine. They blew up a military barracks, uh, I believe it was early this morning, killed 200 soldiers. Now, these weren't Azovs, but uh, what the Russians proved is that they can hit weapons caches, they can hit concentrations of soldiers, no matter where they are, no matter what town they're in, any time they want. What they're trying to do is prove to the world that they have uh, implemented extreme restraint when it comes to Ukraine. They right. want Ukraine to have enough soldiers so that when this peace is negotiated, Ukraine can stand on its own without the UN having to send in, quote, peacekeepers yeah. uh, to get Ukraine back on its feet. Donbass is free. Okay. They're liberated. Food, mm-hmm. medicine, reconstruction materials. They're putting up windows and repairing gas lines and cleaning streets, all with a bunch of Russian equipment and Russian crews. They're there. Uh, my guys have been filming them, and they are they're wonderful. The people love them. The ethnic Russians are welcoming them, waving to them from the farms. Donbass is free. Forget about what the mainstream media is telling you. None of that money is going to go into Donbass. It's all going to go into the pockets of the rich and the wealthy and the famous and the world leaders all around the world. They're going to go to Ukraine. And they're going to cash in. Now well, the that's, other- why went. that's why. That's why you two went there. That's why Jill Biden went there. That's why all the all the congressmen and Mitch McConnell and all those corrupt fucks went there is to go get right. their go get their money. If John McCain was still alive, he would have been the first fucker over there. So, yeah, that's right. And now, at least the fake stream news, and I've seen a couple of sources. One of them was NBC. Now that's kind of a real mind blower because that's like. Uh, that's like a, a establishment party central. NBC was saying that the actual war in Ukraine started in 2014. And they're yeah. starting to finally realize that it was Newland and McCain that went in with U.S. Army Special Forces assets and they killed Ukrainians in the square, forced Yanukovych out of office. And it was Yovanovitch and Vindman and these other people that facilitated this uh, takeover, uh, this crushing of the Ukrainian government. That is finally making it into the fake stream news. We've been talking about it since it happened 
you know, the day that it happened with the with the uh, uh, Maidan massacre. But, you know, we're small. But here's the change. And this is going to be great news for you, Mike. We're now the mainstream news. Okay, America Free Radio, Saturday Night Live stream, all these other uh, onesie twosie uh, podcasters. We're now the mainstream. We have taken over the information game. I don't think the algorithm can keep up with that. Now, they've been nuking my programs from 2020, and they're slowly catching up to me, uh, taking these off as misinformation. But uh, by and large, you know, my audience has stayed the same. And a lot of about a thousand new podcasters are come on coming on every single month and they're being successful. Some of them have 25, 30,000 views live. And I watch them like today. I watched one had 20,000 people watching and he was dull as house paint. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, not entertaining, not uh, uh, particularly intelligent. And why like can't we reach a bigger like audience? That's what I'm yeah. <laughs> it's, we're so much more entertaining. But, but the point is we're having our effect. Yeah. There is no one voice. There is one people, and we are winning. Well, that's good. That's that's what we need. Okay, about 300 people in tonight's Saturday Night Live stream. Uh, I will just remind all of you, please, to visit our wonderful sponsors, the NewGenCryptoCompany.com, NewGenCrypto.com, where you can earn 0.35% interest compounded daily on all your staked new gen currency crypto coins. That means if you buy 100 coins in three days, you have 101. The staking contracts are secured on the blockchain. And the difference between new gen crypto and other crypto coins is that everything they're going to do is asset backed, protected on the blockchain, meaning they're going to be getting behind hemp products that are going to be actual physically produced products. They're going to get behind new technologies like a new desalination technology to help put out the wildfires in California and grow food anywhere, anytime we want. If there's a drought, don't have to worry about it anymore because we can desalinate the ocean waters and pump them anywhere we want. These are wonderful things to get behind. You can also earn an additional 10% until New Gen Crypto goes live on their new exchange, which right now is scheduled for some time in June. That means if you buy 100 New Gen Crypto coins, you get 110, and then you can stake those and earn 0.35% interest on them and keep growing. Anyway, if you're interested, go to newgencrypto.com. Click on the green bar, get the video presentation about what the product is all about. If you're ready to sign up, click on the blue bar. If you have questions, go to the Telegram channel linked right in the upper right-hand corner. You've got NewGen's Telegram channel run by Paul Van Portley, one of our friends. Awesome guy, great guy uh, to to deal with on this new product. NewGenCrypto.com, the future of cryptocurrencies. Uh, Dr. Brooks Agnew, you- I I was going to add my testimony. Because okay. I, I took your advice and okay. I went to New Gen Crypto and I bought a slug. I sold all my other cryptocurrency, which was losing oh. money, and I've made 22% on my New Gen Crypto. Well, there you go. Uh, I am not a financial advisor and I do not recommend to anybody that they do that. But if you want to do it, do it. Uh, and Brooks, good for you. I hope the whole thing doesn't go to shit in a month when we go to a, a new financial system. And all the other going to crap. That's for uh, sure. Yeah, every, everything else is going to go to crap at some point. Uh, okay. Also, Dr. Brooks Agnew, uh, go to his site. You can go to uh, brooksagnew.blog, click on the store button, go down to the store. 
look for the therapeutics click on the therapeutics special and you can pick up your ivan and your roxy two critical uh therapeutics that do a great job with all of the things that scare us we didn't even talk about monkeypox tonight this show's gone so long but I think Ivan is probably going to work against the old monkey pox, which a lot of people are arguing is actually just the shingles. So, uh, Brooks, any thoughts on that? And uh, don't forget, folks. I, I think Brooks you should definitely it. have it in your arsenal. Yeah. Uh, you don't need a prescription to get it. And we can get other medications. Now, a couple of you have written me and asked me about whatever it was that you wanted me to. I inquired at the pharmacy. I let you know what it was. Uh, Mike has a uh, a blood pressure medicine that we got for him at about, I don't know, 30% of what you can get it for here in this country. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, way cheaper. So, yeah. Uh, you know, just write me. The, the contact form is right there on the website. Just write me, and I'll find out for you. Uh, let me help if I can. I'm, I'm here to save lives. I'm not making a ton of money on this stuff, but it feels good for me to do it. So we just need you to have this in your arsenal. And TV's Blake Wally, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on over at the nextlevelnews.com? Well, I've uh, made a few uh, new video reports this week if people want to go and check those out. So, yeah, fresh material. I'll put out a couple uh, new ones today, of course, is a big one with uh, the revelations going on with Hillary and the Durham trial. So that's yeah. uh, pretty exciting stuff. That could be a big uh, game changer in this uh, informational war that we've been in. So that could def- turn things around in a big way. So if you want to go check that out, cool. Thank you, everybody, for your uh, support. Yeah, we didn't even get around to really Hillary and uh, uh, what's his name? Mook throwing her under the bus, basically. Bobby Mook, yeah. Bobby Mook, Robbie Mook. That was or, big. Uh, that was yeah, big stuff. and it's a, it's a big deal, but I think we'll see more fallout from that uh, this week. Maybe we can talk about it next Saturday. Yeah. Candace, tell us what's going on over at Frequency of the Earth and talk to us about your other Telegram channels that you're running. Uh, it's been a really active week on our um, Schumann Resonance, and um, the good news is it looks to me like we're uh, going into another phase of gamma rays coming in, and um, it really does... Um, affect our consciousness. We have a frequency that is um, rising up over eight hertz, which is our uh, level has been um, eight point or three, 7.83 hertz uh, average in the past. So uh, that's good news. And uh, we're, we're really in a period of time right now that's fairly harmonic. Uh, so we should be on in our top form um, some of the indicators have been that uh, we should probably look at our solar plexus, our power center, our digestion, our liver, um, gallbladder, and issues like that. And that all can could do with a good cleanse and some awareness of uh, those processes because our fourth brain is our entire digestive system. And uh, we should always be aware that we do have a emotional release that we can do that uh, comes about. And uh, that can include everything that is bothering you um, to just flush it out, as we say, and to get on with life. Um, I think I really am uh, pleased with um, the amount of people coming into Wano Savin on Facebook yeah, and that uh, that has been a really good format. I do a, a lot of updating, and um, 
Uh, the other one is Telegram. Now, Telegram is kind of a battle zone right now. Um, we've had a lot of issues with um, the um, McAfee drops. Um, he actually started a, um, a presence on True Social, and then he shut it down, and he came back to Telegram. And, but he's still getting uh, some, you know, problem with putting up the information. And this is based on the, uh, the WACT coin um, and the WACT um, crypto. And um, that all is kind of a little out of my um, uh, comfort zone. But uh, basically, there is uh, a lot of information coming out. Um, in the very near future, that is uh, going to be the um, the part of the uh, understanding that we will find is about the internet and about the tremendous amount of corruption that went on within um, the Epstein story, the Ghislaine Maxwell, the um, uh, laptops that were all a part of the uh, one six twenty 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 one. Uh, event and um, that that is um, going to be coming out as well and that is going to be very interesting when that information starts to come to the surface yeah yeah it is all right um there was so much to talk about we didn't really talk about everything we could have talked about hillary we didn't have time we uh we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what goes on but we have reached the portion of the evening this is a long show this week reached the portion of the evening where we go into the top five list okay it's time for our top five list and tonight's subject is let me find it over here in the stream tonight's subject is folks the top five places you have visited and by saying that i'm not saying a city oh vegas no what place what specific venue in vegas oh wow that's that's an example so it's a place that you visited not necessarily a city or a country so it's got to be a place that you have visited so i'm going to uh start since everybody's probably thinking about it and uh, I'm going to start. Actually, this should be close to my number one, but it's my it's going to be my number five. The National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. Actually, three, two of mine are going to be in Washington. The National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. I first went there when I was 18 years old. I was on a uh, gosh, a program that was called. What was the name of the program? I forget. My brother Dave and I went first major trip. First time I flew in an airplane for five or six hours uh god what was it called there was a whole this great program for for high school kids and we went there we spent a week in washington dc we went to all the different places the white house the congress and all that stuff sat there but the national cathedral which you know now that i think about it was probably full of all sorts of satanic fucking cult stuff there candace but at the time i didn't know that all i saw is a beautiful uh, the beautiful stained glass windows and all the different places you could worship and, and the construction. It looked like uh, an ancient European abbey, and it was designed that way. And it was quite an extraordinary experience to the point that it still affects me today. I haven't been back since, but I would very much like to go back at some point. And this time, of course, with my more grown-up eyes, I'm going to look and I'm going to see, wow, uh, there's all this 
you know, pagan symbol symbolism, symbology, opposite symbology, all this pagan symbolism here, probably. But uh, that was a that was an extraordinary experience. So, TV's Blake Wall, you look like you have your number five ready. What's your number five place number number five favorite place that you have visited? Well, I've uh, moved around some uh, things, but number five, I guess I'm gonna go. With um, I'm gonna go with Denver. I know it kind of sounds boring on the surface. It's a city, but not a place, uh, I, I really like. Being a place. We're a place. About a place. I'm just gonna go with uh, Blake Street. I'll just say Blake, Blake Street. Street. That's like the main downtown area there. There we go. Where uh, you go party. It's where like the they play the baseball, the, the Coors Field. <laughs> I think everything is pretty much on there. So they had home runs on Blake Street, and all the like the good uh, stuff downtown to party is on Blake Street. You can go to a dispensary, go to a ball game, get drunk, all on Blake Street, downtown Denver. So, uh, and I, I just I just like the area. It's one of my favorite spots. So I'll go Blake Street, Denver, Colorado. Blake Street in Denver, Colorado. Okay, let's go around the horn. Candace Whitelight, what's your number five favorite place that you've ever visited? Um, I, I've got a lot of worldwide places that I've been to. So this is where I'm going to go with number five. And it's a cafe that's in Vienna. And uh, when I went in, it was like for coffee and all the pastry things there. An incredible place. And uh, there was a, a little, you know, sort of sign that said, this is where Einstein used to come and have his coffee in the morning. And I asked the lady as I was getting my coffee, and um, she said, yeah, he used to sit at that table over there, you know. So I went and sat down, and I tell you, I almost went back in time. It was totally trippy. Um, and the the cafe was called Cafe Trollehof on the Fusch de Grasse in uh, Vienna. So, and that it was an incredible experience. And that was number five. All right. Dr. Brooks Agnew, your number five favorite place that you have visited. Um, I would say my number five is on the beach at Galveston, Texas, during the rise of a full moon over the water. It was a magical experience. The water, the moon came up on that water, and it went silver across that that uh, gulf, uh, right up to my feet. And I was standing about ankle deep in the water. It was like I was standing in the moonlight. It was a magical moment. I stayed during the entire moonrise, which was about I don't know, an hour and a half. It was it was a moment. It was just a moment to capture. I wrote two poems about it. It was quite amazing. Wow. Okay. That is really, uh, that's a nice story. All right. Um, I guess I'm up. Number four. Uh, number four for me is in Paris. And you may have heard of it. It's a rather significant historical landmark. It's called the Eiffel Tower. And I went to the Eiffel Tower and I took the elevator up and I looked at Paris. You know, in European cities, they don't have skyscrapers. London does now, but there are all these little buildings, you know, so you're towering over all these little buildings. And uh, whenever I go to Vegas, I like to go back. If I can, I like to go up in the fake Eiffel Tower. I think it's a quarter scale model or something like that in uh, on the strip in Vegas. But it's uh, you have to go to Europe at some point. Once all this shit settles and we're all fairly financially comfortable, hit hit Paris, 
go up in the Eiffel Tower. It is you see the Seine River there and the whole ancient city with all of this history. And it's just I uh, I was there with my ex-wife, which kind of dull, you know, not that makes it less pleasant to think about. But what a great place. What a great place to be. What a great place to visit. The Eiffel Tower is really, really a fun, cool place to visit. Blake, what's your number four favorite place you've ever visited? Well, okay. Again, I'm going to switch it up. I haven't been out of the country much. I've never left uh, America. I've been in uh, Canada, of course, and uh, Mexico. So number four, I'll just go back to uh, spring break. It's when I was in, uh, back, I went to Mazatlan in Mexico. And that was the first time that I'd ever uh, been in the ocean. So being from uh, Minnesota, that was kind of a big deal. So I'm just going to say my first experience, like in the actual Pacific Ocean, nice and warm on the beautiful beaches of Mazatlan. <laughs> that was a uh, pretty cool experience for me. So number four. I just realized I have so many, I can't list them all. Uh, Candace, <laughs> I've got at least a dozen. Candace Whitelight, your number four favorite place that you have. Um, well, this is closer to home, and uh, boy, this was a day, and uh, it was quite a few years ago, but I um, was traveling through Yellowstone, and Yellowstone is a national park that if you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. It's uh, got wonders at every turn, and we were driving down, we were going to Lake to stay the night, and one of the areas right close to there is Yellowstone Falls. And as we came around the corner, um, you know, we parked, got out, and took the trail down. And the light at that moment was, it was just pink. And I'd never seen that kind of, like, measure of a surreal kind of coloring to everything. And it was such a profound, and again, sort of like that moon scape that you entered. I entered this world, you know, where you were looking at a, a valley with this beautiful falls in it. And it was just like walking into a, a, a pink generated, um, you know, sunset experience. So that was um, someplace that I'll never forget, Yellowstone Park. And that was um, my number four. That's cool. Uh, Brooks, your number four favorite place you've ever visited. I was, uh, I rented a car in London and I drove up to, uh, up to Scotland and I was, went to my, where my ancestors are from, which is Stranraer, Scotland, Scotland. And I was looking for the family castle, which I had a, a black and white faxed picture of. It was not a very good simile, but I showed it to somebody that gave me directions. I drove up there and I didn't see it. And I was out kind of in the countryside and there was this woman hanging laundry and i drove up to her and i said listen i'm looking for for this castle you know and she says oh yes it's no problem just drive right through those trees and uh <laughs> there was this like cut out in the trees so i drove through and it was like dark like a like the black forest it was july 65 degrees that's a scottish summer and i burst through the trees on the other side and there was the castle sitting right there and wow. they, were, they were kind of reworking on it but uh, but it was there and i thought gosh you know it said agnew on it and, it and i thought these are where my ancestors were from and i could almost hear you know little kids playing around and animals you know and whatever kind of support structure it takes to run a castle i could almost sense it right there wow. it was 1500 years of history right there with me wow i mean that's amazing, amazing. i, I 
if my brother were on this broadcast, he would say Superior, Wyoming, where my dad was from, which is basically an abandoned coal mining town. It's almost like a ghost town. He said he went there to visit. He drove all the way through Wyoming once with his wife. And and he said, you know, it's not even really a town. It's just, it just seems like people are just squatting on this land. And he goes up, and he, but he finds the cemetery, and there's this huge headstone with Barra on it, B-A-R-A. Wow. Because you know, the whole family had been from there. And and um, I, I bet he would put that on the list. The same kind of thing, though, Brooks. You like you, you get back to your roots. And I, I guess I need to make the pilgrimage there at some point myself because that was uh, – he, he tells that story. All right. Uh, Blake, we got you, right? Number four, did we get you? Yes. Number, okay, so now we're on to number three. This is really hard for me because yeah. I have so many places now, but also in France, it's, it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge between two different things in France. I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell two stories because they're entertaining. It's fun. The French war museum, which is outside Paris oh. or near Paris. And, and uh, that was great. Wellington's home in England, in, in London, where you walk in and there's this giant 12-foot statue of Napoleon as Zeus that he took from Napoleon after he defeated him in France. But anyway, you go to the French War Museum. And I was trying to speak French. I was doing my best. And I was trying to speak French. And the, the girl at, at the ticket place could not have been a ruder fucking frog, right? So she, she wasn't laughed a at me, laughed at me, laughed at me. So then I started speaking English. And I started walking around asking everybody in there, can you tell me, because everything's Napoleon, Napoleon, Napoleon. I said, where's the World War II section? World War II. I kept asking them, can you show me where the World War II section is of the, of the French War Museum? Trust me, there's no World War II section of the French uh, War Museum because it lasted about two weeks. All right, but my number, actual number three, for a similar reason, is in Paris, France, the Musée d'Orsay. Now, I'm going to get a little bit off subject here, but you guys know, it is French. You guys know that there is a uh, Japanese monster named Godzilla. And Godzilla has an opponent named Rodan. Rodan oh, yeah. is a pterodactyl. And Rodan destroys yeah. things by landing on the ground outside of a city and then waving his arms, creating this wind that blows over entire Japanese cities made of paper and plastic. So... My brother challenged me when I went to Paris in 1998 to go to the Musée d'Orsay and look at the Rodins. And I did. And I saw The Thinker by Rodin. Marvelous sculpture. So there are pictures of me taken by my ex-wife standing next to the Rodin sculpture. I think it's The Thinker. Waving my arms like Rodin. So that's, <laughs> that's just a memory I'm never going to forget. Nasty, disrespectful, but it was after the War Museum thing, so I was done with the French at that point. So anyway, that's my number three uh, of all time. TV's Blake Wally, what's your number three favorite place to visit and why? You can tell us why if you want, but yeah. Well, I'm going to stick with the, uh, the French theme because coincidentally what's on my list is, but you know, I've never been to France. I would love to go to all of these uh, great European cities at some point, but I did go to New Orleans, uh, probably early 2000s. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a great uh, trip. I'd just say Bourbon Street. I don't think I'd want to do that again. It's a great, great city. I'd go there for the food or something, but probably not to uh, party hard and do stoop shots and do uh, stupid stuff. But uh, it was a great uh, time experience to uh, go through Mardi Gras. So I will just say Bourbon Street, 
New Orleans. Bourbon Street was um, fun. I've been there once. Saw a cockroach literally that big, about three inches across, <laughs> climbing the wall of a pizza place. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to eat here. <clears throat> okay, uh, Candace Whitelock, your number three favorite place you have visited. Um, I'm going to go out of the country again to a, a really amazing spot that's a little on the touristy side, but it has a great story and um, has some interesting features. Um, it's the Neuenschwanstein Castle. Um, oh, yeah. I happen to love Bavaria. For some reason, I knew I'd lived there in my past lives. And uh, so we took a, you take a horse-drawn carriage up to the top and then you get out and it it was. It took many years for them to build this, and you walk through it, and it was actually never finished. But they had a place inside that is the grotto, and the grotto was put together in the vision of Mad King Ludwig, who uh, basically had vis visited the baths and such in Germany, which is quite on the other side of the state. And um, so he recreated it and you walk through and you literally go into this like cavern thing and there's stalactites and stalagmites and running water. And it, it's just like you look around and you go, please, I mean, <laughs> who would live here? This is an amazing thing. So that's my spot that I, um, I really got a lot of, um, you know, uh, thrill out of, and that's the uh, yeah. Mad King Ludwig's uh, Neuenschwanstein for my number three. The inspiration for the Disney castle too, correct, right? Um, yeah, they say that, although there's a one down the hill that's actually the, the you know, the uh, also in the ancestry that was, uh, you know, done, and it fin they finished the turrets on that one. So that's how they, they really, you know, it was the other castle, the Hoyenschwinga or whatever it's called, and it was down the hill. And we saw it from a distance, but they don't do tours through that because it's actually a museum. So, um, you know, that was the uh, one that they actually used. It's very much looks like the castle in Disneyland. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Dr. Brooks Agnew, your number three favorite place you have ever visited. My number three was the eight hours I spent inside the Great Pyramid of Giza. Yeah, I was going to say, when's the pyramid coming up? Because I've seen pictures of you and, there. You know, Chamber of the Kings, Queens, I went down into the lower bowels of the, of the pyramid where it's very hot and very primitive. Not very well done at all. Uh, but I spent eight hours in there and I got a lot of footage and, you know, we did a lot of chanting and it was, it was, it was fun. It was an experience. I got to say that was my number three. The reason it's not my number one is because it's crap. The Egyptians do a, a punk ass job with their antiquities. They have not restored anything. They don't treat tourists well. It is not a pleasant place to go. If you don't go there and get some kind of, intestinal disease you're lucky it is it is a well, now you're armed with ivan though so you well, that wouldn't happen this time yeah but it is a filthy country filled with beggars and it is mm -hmm. dangerous and i would never ever go back as long as i live but it was an amazing experience wow. eight hours inside that that pyramid but you're glad you went to the pyramids all right i i I guess you got to go with William Henry because he. I did go with there. William Henry. Oh, you did, and it was that miserable. Okay, all yeah. right. So William, William's a great guy. Uh, T. Okay, my number two. I got to go to number two. Uh, boy, this is tough. Do I pick? Uh, I got to go with an American one. Um, another American one. 
in Virginia, there's a place called Arlington National Cemetery. And I've been there twice. And uh, the second time, I got to see the changing of the guard at Arlington National Cemetery. And it was a powerful ceremony. It's something I think everyone should do that's an American, who believes in America. And we went around and looked at a lot of graves and um, <clears throat> went to JFK's grave at Arlington, John F. Kennedy's grave. Didn't realize the significance of it then to my life because I didn't understand who Kennedy really was and what role he had truly played in history and what role he and his progeny may yet play in American history. And I remember um, there's the path around JFK's eternal flame and we're walking around and I'm standing on the path and I'm talking to my wife and I turn around and I look down and really with just a plaque, not even a headstone at that time, Robert F. Kennedy's body is right. Oh, there's Robert F. Kennedy standing like I'm standing right on almost on top of his grave in the grass there. And I, I just remember all these experiences of Arlington and and all those crosses and Jewish stars and stuff. And I, I realize now <clears throat> so many of those guys sacrifice themselves for a lie. And I think of it as our solemn duty to destroy that lie and make America once again worthy of what they thought they were sacrificing themselves for. So that's, that's a place I will visit again. And it's a place, um, place that I, oh, Billy Carson's taking, Billy Car Billy Carson's taking a bunch of people to Egypt, assuming he's not in prison for fraud and identity fraud. God, Deb, just come on, get out of here with that shit. Fucking Billy Carson, give me a break. All right, uh, Blake, your number two favorite place to visit of all time. Number two, I'm going to have to go with the uh, New York. I think I'm just going to, there's so many spots. I've, I've been there a, a couple of times. I could never live there, but it's an amazing city. <laughs> Actually, I could, I could totally work in Times Square, but I, there's no way that I could live in a place like that. Um, I, I'd have to get on a train and get way away from at the end of the day. But uh, just a, a fantastic, there's just nothing else like it, the energy there. Uh, you know, so many places that I've been into, uh, or the Brooklyn, or just all the different little stops. But I guess I'm going to have to just take Central Park. I don't know if that's a good pick or not. But, I mean, I think that one of the things that surprised me the most about New York is that it's kind of figured to be like this crazy concrete jungle. But there's actually a lot of parks. And Central Park is actually just huge. And so it's a huge area to walk around in. And I thought that was kind of a cool little oasis in the cities, if you will. So we'll, we'll stick with that. New York. Uh, New Central York, Park. Central Park in New York. I've never actually been to Central Park, although I've, I've seen it. Uh, and it's tough because I was I was thinking I went to the Empire State Building a couple years ago when I was going to New York all the time and I went to Ground Zero and I'm like those are big impactful events but not quite make my top five uh, okay uh, Candice your number two favorite place to visit of all time um, I'm going to balance between two places but they're both in Canada and British Columbia uh, one of them is a place called Whistler, and it is some of the best skiing that you'll ever go to. And I happen to go there many times, but um, there was one particular occasion up. Uh, there's two peaks there. One is Whistler. The other is Blackstone. 
and uh, where I took the uh, lift all the way up uh, to the top and then telemark skied all the way from uh, the top of Blackstone right into a bar that was at the village on the bottom. And um, it was probably about as most excellent snow quality that you can you can experience and it just was an amazing place to go and to visit and the village is beautiful it's pristine it's all done in tyrolean sort of style and um, the people are wonderful and uh, blackstone whistler in um, british columbia um I've been there and I've been to the top of that same mountain and I can still see it. And the view is breathtaking and it is perfect. Yeah. And I, I, I'm totally relating to what you're saying there. Cause I've, I've been there too and experienced the same thing. Whistler is an extraordinarily wonderful place. If you want to, you know, if you can't get to Vail, go to Whistler. Cause it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, Whistler is so much yeah, better than Vail. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Brooks, you're number two your number two most favorite place to visit of all time. I'm going to say my number two is the Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I've been to, you know, Teotihuacan and Tula and that, and, oh, and wow. those ruins are nice, but the Museum of Anthropology is where they grab this really old, going all the way back about 3,000 years, stuff from all over the country, and they've brought it to Mexico City, and you can see it in air-conditioned comfort. But you could stay all day there and not see everything. It is amazing the stuff that's there, the technology, their uh, their contact with what I'm going to call off-worlders, is all documented there, and it doesn't get as much publicity as it should. The Museum of Anthropology in Mexico City definitely should be on your list of places to see in your life. I agree. I agree with you. Okay, my number one before I say to you guys um, is a similar thing. I was I was gonna one of the things, you know again the British Museum is extraordinary in London. I mean you're literally standing you know six inches away from an Egyptian hieroglyph that some human hand carved six or eight thousand years ago maybe, and it's like shit. That's extraordinary, right? That's such yeah. an extraordinary experience. And I really remember that. And and the natural uh, history of Museum of Natural History in Chicago, where they have the uh, dinosaur, what's her name, the T-Rex, you know, who, of course, by the way, is completely covered in lead paint because she's fucking radioactive, which is what really killed the dinosaurs. But I have to go with Westminster Abbey as my number one, because it is an extraordinary historical place in London, England. It is absolutely fabulous. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where I'm walking around and I'm talking to my wife and I look down and I'm standing on Charles Darwin, like literally standing on Charles Darwin, because the so many of the historical figures that are buried there are buried just under the floor. They're just like right under the floor. They don't all, don't all have tombs like Queen Elizabeth II. Her, she had an extraordinary tomb there, you know, or a sarcophagus. And there's just so much history there that you can just see and absorb in a beautiful place elegant and you know again there's probably a lot of dark shit there too but uh at the time i didn't know that and it was really an extraordinary experience to go look at all you know oliver cromwell is there in the floor and uh, all these famous people from history winston churchill 
um, it's it's just it was just an extraordinary uh, experience that I will never forget. So Westminster Abbey is my number one place that I visited. Right. And unlike Dr. Brooks Agnew, I'd like to visit again. TV's Blake Wally, your number one favorite place that you have visited in your lifetime. Yeah, I am jealous. There's so many of these great places I have not been around the world. But of the uh, places I've been to, I think that one that made the biggest impression on me, kind of like my first time kind of getting out of uh, Minnesota was probably, uh, and somebody said it earlier, Kelly, um, Chicago Wrigley Field. When yeah. I was a kid, I went there in 1989. Yeah, cool. in 1989, they had a great team. And um, that just totally changed everything. Because I was used to going to, like, baseball games in Minneapolis at the Metrodome, which is kind of lame. Where like, a, you know, family experience. You hang out, and it's kind of – Metrodome was kind of stale. Not that fun. It was fun. But then going to Chicago, it's like then you have all of these, like – 20 and 30 year old somethings getting off the L train, they're bombed, they're drinking, they're having a blast. And they, the energy at Wrigley Field was so much fun. My mom used to work for like a, she used to work for a subsidiary of the Chicago Tribune up in Minnesota, and they gave us tickets to the game. And I, we had so much fun there. And then I just became an overnight, just a diehard Cubs fan. And every time I'd get up from school, I'd you know, go home, go home, turn on WGN, listen to uh, Harry Carey and Steve Stone do the games. But that was a life-changing experience. So Wrigley Field, 1989, Chicago, back in the day. I went to uh, I went to a Seahawks game in Soldier Field in 1999. It was Mike Holmgren's first victory as a Seahawks coach, and because uh, they missed a field, the Bears missed a field goal on the last play of the game, and I just sat in my seat with my Seahawks jersey on for about 25 minutes before I got up and walked out. I was by myself. Chicago is a fun place to go watch a ball game. I will get, I will tell you that whether it's football or baseball or whatever, I've never been to Wrigley Field. That's great. Okay, Candace, your number one favorite place that you have visited of all time well this is this got to be the greatest story ever told for myself and um, I was actually walking the freedom trail that goes from the Paul Revere house uh, by the old north church and mm -hmm. it's in Boston's north end across the Charles River and if you follow that path it's basically the same path Paul Revere took on his midnight ride on the 18th of April in 75. And I happened to be there on April 18th and it was a historical, incredible, patriotic, beyond belief experience for me. And believe me, I, I knew again that I had gone someplace where I've had lives in the past and I felt that energy. I felt that patriotism. I felt that reason that we were all there. And that was the foundation of freedom that built mm -hmm. this country. And uh, that is my number one place that I ever went in my entire life. And that is the, uh, the walk of the Freedom Trail uh, in Boston. Yeah, I get I get that, Candace. Yeah. I mean, I have not made the trek yet to the Panzer Museum in Dortmund, uh, but I think I used to be a German tank commander in World War II or something because I have this thing for German tanks and I don't know what it is, but I can't wait to go there. Sometime in my life, it'll probably definitely make my top five list. But I understand. It's like those things you have a past life connection with are what really, really get you going. Uh, Dr. Brooks Agnew, your number one place you have ever visited. Well, ever covers a long time. 
So I'm going to go back 1,800 years to another <laughs> planet uh, in the Cygnus star system. Uh, I best know it by the name Findara, but I had a terrace there that overlooked the ocean. And I could see the sun going red giant and two stars, one blue and one red, up in the right-hand sky. Now, that planet was destroyed 1,800 years ago by that exploding sun. The cool thing is the light from that explosion is going to show up here in three months to the day. Wow. Wow. That'll be cool. We should all go out and watch that. You'll see it. Everyone will see it. That's 1,800 light years? 1,800 years is 1,800 light years, but yes. Okay. Wow. That's, I was going to say, that's a ways away from us. <laughs> Serious. Well, you said ever, so there you go. <laughs> that is Forever. Ever. Uh, that There's your story. Thanks for sharing that, Brooks. That's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Thank you. There's a tank museum in Utah with panzers. I have to go. And somebody else was telling me, said, mentioned that the Rosetta Stone is in the British Museum. Okay. And... Uh, I, that reminds me, I want to finish that story, Laura, is uh, I was there and there were these little British kids in there for some school thing. You know, it was like a Wednesday. And you're like, oh, look, it's the Rosetta Stone. And they had little, they're putting their grubby little paws all over the Rosetta Stone. And I'm like, that's the fucking Rosetta Stone. I didn't say fucking, but I said, yeah. get your hands off there, you grubby little Brits. And yep. um, uh, yeah, I, so now that I remember the Natural History Museum and the, the British Museum. Yeah, the British you know, the Panzer was cool, but the Tiger tank was really well, something. They're all panzers. Technically, the German word for tank is panzer. Oh, but, okay, okay. Yeah. So, like the little you one. You saw the movie panzer Fury. One, panzer two, Panzer three, Panzer four, and the Tiger tank. That's a Tiger one. Tiger two is like, I mean, I see this thing and I'm thinking, oh my God. Imagine if like this a, thing was coming out. It was like a Ferrari. That thing yeah. was like a Ferrari. It was yeah. unbelievable. It's amazing. And uh, that stuff's really cool. A lot of people have liked the, uh, liked your uh, Blake, like the trip that you took to. Um, Wrigley Field, lots of people have been there. Okay, guys, um, that's really all I have. King Tiger Tank, Tiger 2. Looks like Blake is frozen up on us. Yeah, we lost him. So let's wrap it up. Thank everybody for be, being here. I'll be back with Jen on Monday morning for the Monday morning news update for TV's Blake, Wally, somewhere east of California, Candace Whitelight in Montana, and Dr. Dr. Brooks Agnew in the Carolinas. Everybody have a great Sunday. Oh, uh, don't... At the Indy 500 today, they they measured a car going 247 miles an hour on the back straight. Oh now, my I was, gosh! I was at Michigan when the the land speed record was broken at Michigan International Speedway by Jill DeFerrin in like 1998, which was 250 miles an hour on a back straight. I'm just gonna say, pole qualifications are tomorrow. But I love racing. But guys, that's too fast. Okay, that's just we gotta put more drag on the cars to slow them down. But I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch any 500 qualifying tomorrow. Pray for them. Pray for the drivers in Formula One. These guys have gonads like you wouldn't believe. They're gonna be risking their lives tomorrow. And Manchester City plays for their fourth Premier League title, English Premier League title, in five years tomorrow. The most important title in all of world football. I'm gonna. I'm looking forward to taking my day off. You guys take your day off. Let's let events wash over us. Candace, I'm really buoyed by your news that you think something's going to happen soon. 
because so do I and so do a lot of other people I've talked to. Let's all pray that in and that will be the beginning of the dominoes falling that need to fall. Have a great Saturday night. Have a great Sunday day off. Love you guys. We'll see you all back here on Monday. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Blessings.